Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallama ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Sayyidina wa sanadina wa habibina wa shafi'ina wa maulana sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhuriyatihi wa ahli baytihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddini wa ba'd. So we continue with our Dars, trying to drive to finish this Babu Jumul al Faraidi, or Sunani al Wajibati, or Raghaibi. Inshallah, before the beginning of Ramadan, inshallah, once Ramadan starts, we're probably going to suspend this particular Dars and we'll continue it uh, afterward if Allah Ta'ala gives us a an opportunity, but at least we should finish this chapter. There are a couple more abwab in the Kitab Jami' of, uh, of the Risal of Ibn Abi Zayd, uh, which if we get a chance, inshallah, we'd be happy to uh, get a chance to read it together and benefit from it. But uh, at least we can finish this bab. So we left off last week where Ibn Abi Zayd described the adab of Islam as being encapsulated in four in four particular ahadith of the Prophet And those four ahadith were what? They were um, uh, the Prophet saying that whoever believes in Allah in, his, in the last day, let him say good or let him stay silent. And the hadith of the Prophet uh, it's from the beauty of the Islam of a man that he should leave those things that don't concern him. And the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to the man who asked him for advice, uh, uh, that he gave him the advice of of, of not getting angry. And uh, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that one of you will not believe until he loves for his brother that which he uh, loves for himself. So Ibn Abi Zaid continues, "Wala yhilu laka an tatamad al batili kullihi." So it is not permissible for you to intentionally listen to the batil, to falsehood. Uh, batil is falsehood or that thing that has no uh, benefit or no meaning. And uh, in general, this should be taken, you know, the, 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 the thing that is the, the antonym for haq. Haq is reality and truth. Batil is, is falsehood. And Nafrawi writes in his Commentary: Kashahadat al-Batilati, or al-Ghibati, or al-Namimati, or al-Qadfi. Like uh, the uh, listening to somebody who is giving, bearing false witness, basically a, a liar, or a person who is backbiting or tail-bearing, or a person who is making the false accusation of fornication against somebody, and for the legal purposes of Islam for the sacred law of Islam that includes uh, that includes the uh, the accusation which is not corroborated by four witnesses so a person may very well have seen what they saw but the sharia will legally consider it to be false witness until and unless it can be corroborated by four other witnesses and uh, if you can't you know, if you can't bring those, uh, sorry, three other witnesses, if you can't bring three other upright witnesses who witnessed the act of penetration, uh, like the thread goes through the eye of the needle, you'd best just shut up. 
you best just keep your mouth closed. And even to listen to that is, is haram. And it's interesting, uh, you know, we live in the U2 age, U2, and the Me Too age, uh, and uh, women have very legitimate grievances against men uh, in terms of the society that we live in and in general. And uh, <clears throat> those grievances are based in, uh, in, in some you know, some real bogus uh, situations in many times. It's not all just made up or it's not all just, uh, uh, you know, some sort of like conspiracy to, you know, depose men from their position in society. And even if it's being used as that by some people, um, not that I'm saying it is, but even if one were to hypothetically say that it's being used as that, it, it would be used very effectively. Why? because it's based on some something legitimate because a lie is you know it takes power and it takes uh, um, legitimacy from being mixed with the truth but the lie is like najasa a little bit of lie mixed in a lot of truth makes the entire thing uh, filthy uh, and so we have to be very careful that when somebody accuses another person of zina of, of fornication that's not something that we entertain lightly and our sharia has a standard for that uh, accusation and zina is different than rape um, but even there there are standards and the sad thing is that nobody really bothered to study these things or learn these things and the society that results where these types of accusations are thrown about uh, haphazardly or nonchalantly or uh, considered just to be a a, a footnote uh, of freedom of speech uh, these things they ruin lives they ruin men's lives they ruin women's lives and uh, the Sharia comes with great mercy, which is what, you know, either you come with the proof overwhelming or you shut the heck up, you keep your mouth shut. And we don't ruin the lives of, of, of women and we don't ruin the lives of men uh, by speculating about their personal lives. And we don't open the, we don't open the door for rumors and for, um, for gossip in order to ruin the lives of people who may or may not be good. That's between them and Allah, but at any rate, they're functional. Uh, and so I let every person protect themselves and uh, thereafter uh, not indulge in even listening, even listening to that, that, that type of scandal mongering. Um, and this is obviously all of these are general rules. There are exceptions. You know, if you're going to uh, hire somebody for a position of amana or for trust, um, then perhaps it's in your interest to find out what's going on. And uh, if somebody makes a, a improper accusation, uh, that may, you know, that's still improper. But uh, you know, you may not want to, you may not want to, um, you know, hire them to be in that position of trust. But those are exceptions. Those are not the rules, and most people don't have to deal with those things. Alhamdulillah, they don't have to deal with those things, and they should just leave these things alone. Uh, but that's definitely not the only type of batil out there. There are many other forms of batil. Uh, many uh, opinions on the news, forwarding random WhatsApp messages, forwarding random face, you know, resharing random Facebook posts, random tweets, random, uh, you know, things that people are saying. Um, you know, these things all fall under underneath this uh, category. And it's poison for the heart. It's not only a sin that you have to pay for on the Day of Judgment, but it kills the heart as well. Uh, and so uh, listening to Batil includes 
includes keeping company with the people of Kufr and listening unnecessarily to their ideas about those things. Yes, if you're an academic, you're a researcher, you're a scholar, you have some reason to do so, that's fine. Uh, if you want to listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about, you know, whether Pluto is a planet or not, go right ahead and knock yourself out. But, you know, listening too much about, you know, these people's weird materialistic ideas about, um, you know, about what they believe the, the nature of the universe is, which is not something that their science teaches them about anyway. They're completely unqualified to talk about those things one way or the other. Um, this is uh, this is harmful and uh, you will uh, you will be harmed by it. And it is a sin and there's harm in it. And we're not saying that uh, it's, you know, don't listen to them because we are scared that they may have a point. They actually, it's very clear that they don't. And if you think they may have a point, go ahead and investigate. But once it's clear that they don't have a point, don't beat yourself up and don't like, you know, constantly uh, subject yourself to the Chinese water torture of, of nonsense um, that, that, that the news, that the media, that, you know, uh, friends, family, that, you know, different, uh, you know, different uh, sources will bombard you with. If it's about to just leave it, you know, and if again, like I said, if you have some sort of genuine doubt about it, go ahead and investigate your doubts. But once you come to a conclusion, then thereafter, uh, uh, leave it. And uh, when it comes to people speaking about uh, each other, gossiping about each other, these things, uh, backbiting, tailbearing, or false accusation of sexual impropriety uh, or fornication in particular, then if a person is able to, in that gathering, to stop the speech about that topic, they're uh, obliged to do so. And if they're not able to, they should get up and leave. And if for whatever reason they're unable to leave, then the commandment of the Quran itself is what? Is that a person should distract their attention and not pay attention to what the, those people are talking about until they change the topic. Uh, and uh, that's a, a combination between the legal hukum of not listening and uh, between the understanding of protecting your heart from the poison of listening to that that batil. And on the flip side, you know, there are, you know, there's there's hard batil and there's soft batil. You know, there's hard falsehood and there's soft falsehood. What's hard falsehood? If, you know, you're in a group of people and they're talking about the virtues of idol worship, right? And one can say, yes, don't listen to them. But the soft batil is what? You know, shaitan has a number of different masalik, a number of different ways that he gets into the person's heart. Uh, you know, I believe it's uh, Sultan al-Ulama Izz ibn Abdul Salam. He mentions that, like, if a, a qawm is mubtala, they're, 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 uh, they're, they're people who transact in usury, then the alim who gets up and gives a khutbah about how horrible fornication is, uh, that person has betrayed them. Meaning what? It doesn't mean that fornication is good or it's okay. But the point is, is that that person has taken the opportunity to set things straight and that person has deviated it and has completely wasted it so that so as to block uh, the, the truth that's needed in that in that moment from coming. And there are many scholars and there are many uh, there are many da'is, uh, du'at, uh, people who, you know, I guess are the face of Islam and the preachers of Islam and the ambassadors of Islam that will do that. We no longer have a state uh, and we no longer have endowments that fund our our uh, imams or our seats of knowledge and learning 
So it's become a business. America, it's a non, you know, nonprofit corporations are just another type of corporation. So it's a, a race for, uh, for funding from the general public. And, uh, you know, like everything else, which is democratized, we don't democratize medicine. We don't have a vote about whether or not, uh, you know, we believe that uh, AIDS is a disease. Uh, those are objective facts. And the whole institution of scholarship is based on the idea that there's a Quran and a Sunnah and they should be learned. And there are certain facts about them that are objective and there are certain things about them that are uh, debatable. But even then, there's a scope within which they're, they're debated. It's not a complete free-for-all. And the ulama are the ones who set the boundaries of, uh, of our civilization in our daily lives. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ meant when he said the ulama are the warathul anbiya. They are the inheritors, the heirs of the prophets, That's what Allah Ta'ala meant when he said, Ask the people who have remembrance if you don't know. And that's what Allah Ta'ala meant when he said, that uh, you know, let not every uh, uh, every single person go out in the path of Allah. Rather, let a band of people stay behind and exert themselves with an extraordinary exertion in order to understand the deen, deen with great depth. Uh, and and then when those people who went out in the path of Allah come back, this former group of people can can warn the latter group when they leave the boundaries of the deen, uh, so that they can fear Allah Taala properly. And it's very different than what we have nowadays. We have a lot of people who are, mashallah, uh, they're just, they're, they're bearded and hijabed out lullabies. They are telling people exactly what they want to hear. And they're not telling people what they need to hear. And this is a type of soft, soft batil as well. There are many people who recite the Quran uh, with uh, melodious tones. And it's just a lullaby. It's trying to get the, the heart to go to sleep. It's trying to get the ruh to go to sleep. So people can enjoy and they can enjoy nasheeds, those nasheeds that I also enjoy. They can enjoy the recitation of the Quran, that recitation I also enjoy. They can enjoy going to those masajid, uh, those masajid I also enjoy going to. They can enjoy all sorts of things. But those people are blocked from ever being told the things that they need for their islah, for their own rectification. This is also a type of batil that, uh, you know, that's become uh, unfortunately rife in our age. Uh, and then it is a stepping stone for even uh, worse uh, things when people just start making up things about the deen. But it's sufficient. A person doesn't necessarily have to be saying anything wrong in order to be uh, speaking batil. Uh, oftentimes it's like a chess, uh, like a chess move that a person will move a piece in order to block a, a, another move. Uh, from the opposing side, and uh, if that uh, other move from the opposing side is a move in the right direction, then this is uh, this is something very uh, very very disconcerting. And unfortunately, uh, regular people are not in a position to be able to evaluate this. But if you have a little bit of ilm, you have a little bit of knowledge, and you notice that people are giving very motivational, very uplifting, very well produced, very uh, 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 you know attractive messages, very muzayyan and muzakhraf, uh, very uh, um, ornate and uh, aesthetically uh, pleasing uh, messages that, that have very little content that is based in wahi, 
uh, and based in the, the the revelation that came down in the Prophet or based on just common types of things that there's nothing actionable from, that there's nothing that will actually change uh, and will 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 not uh, you know force the the ego to exert itself in order to submit to Allah Taala. Uh, obviously, uh, submission to Allah Taala for the ego and for the mind and for the body from the spirit is what Islam is. That's what Islam means. It means to submit. You know, they have the uncles. They come in the inner faith uh, gatherings. They say that Islam is peace. It's not peace. What is it? It's submission. Submission. Uh, and so, if there's something which is empowering the nafs and it's not pushing it towards submission, then I consider this type uh, type of batil as well, soft batil, where you don't pinpoint a particular thing someone is saying, but, uh, uh, you know, you uh, uh, you are obstructing uh, the haq from being spoken. And a person should be careful before they go and like, just like cast this, uh, uh, cast this accusation at somebody. Because the nafs also, you know, cannot take a meeting every single day of the week. So there may be some times where a sheikh or a murabbi or a murshid will administer things like this to his flock and to his uh, herd. Uh, why? Because the two wings on which the deen of a person flies are the targhib and the tarhib, encouragement and uh, 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 encouragement and 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 uh, the deterrent of fear. And so you can't be all fear all the time either. That also becomes a nightmare. But uh, in a holistic picture, if you see that a person is basically just squawking a whole, a, whole, a whole bunch of nothing, and it's fancy nothing and it sounds good nothing, but at the end of the day, it's just all nothing, then uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is a sign Allah Ta'ala protect us. This is a sign Allah Ta'ala protect us uh, for, from this. And I, re I remember one of the ulama, he mentioned this, that he said, my father was a great muqri. Uh, he was a great muqri of the people uh, of Central Asia. And he said that uh, I once listened to a particular qari uh, recite the Qur'an uh, in the Salat al-Taraweeh. And I said, man, this guy is so great. He's so wonderful. And uh, um, my father uh, you know, said to me, he says, this person that you're praising and extolling, uh, all he's doing is he's, he's, hired by, uh, he's hired by the people of Batil in order to put the ummah to sleep to distract them from the things that they need to do. And he said, I thought like inside of my heart, I said, why is my father saying this? Why is he being a hater? And then he said that Allah gave me enough time. I saw, I understood now what he's saying, but that person was a complete sellout. And that person uh, justified uh, and justifies and peddles uh, those things, uh, you know, uh, from Batil um, that uh, nobody else does. And he does it with a smile. And unfortunately we have a number of scholars who are doing that in this time, in this age. And I can't say that they don't have sanad, and I can't say that they're, uh, you know, they're deviants, and I can't even say that they don't have knowledge. Uh, but their smiles are completely for sale, and their knowledge is completely, uh, you know, uh, it's for sale. And Allah protect us from such people. Allah protect us from such people, because uh, you know that that wolf when it gets into the flock like that, um, there's very little we have in 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 terms of protection for ourselves from them. Allah Ta'ala protect us. And this is not the rule. The rule is that the ulama, the people of knowledge, are upright and pious people. Uh, but every now and again, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala will try a qawm and try a person through his knowledge. And that person, um, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala protect us from such people. وَلَا أَن تَتَلَذَّذَ بِسَمَاعِ كَلَامٍ مِرَأَةٍ And Allah Ta'ala also makes it haram for a person to 
uh, take pleasure in hearing the speech of a woman. And uh, obviously, you know, this is written in pre-political correctness, uh, but the mafum, the understood uh, meaning of this is also for a woman to, uh, uh, to uh, take pleasure in hearing the speech of a man. La tahillu laka. Uh, that, that for for you to take uh, pleasure in this this listening to the speech of a woman that's not from your maharim and it's not halal for you and uh, if you're a woman then the converse also you know it it uh, applies to a man and I remember uh, a couple of years ago uh, in a major conference I wrote like a blog post about it or something like that that uh, you know people made a real big deal about like oh look this is the first time that a uh, you know a session of uh, you know some um, a session of some uh, conference was opened with a, a female Quran reciter and like I mean I think these things they get ridiculous after a while um, I'm completely in favor of uh, justice and completely in favor of uh, fairness with our sisters with our brothers, with our elders, with our youngers, with our children, with people of every race, every socioeconomic uh, uh, background. And this is one of the proudest traditions of our mashaykh as well. Uh, he mentions this. He said that if I became, if I became the hakim, if Allah Ta'ala gave me, uh, gave me uh, rulership and I had the power of enforcement in my hands, the first thing I would do is I would start to rectify the um, rectify the wrongs against women that are happening in society. And, he, you know, anyone who knows anything about Moana Ashwatali Tanvi knows that he's not like a third wave feminist. And he's not doing it to pander for like uh, clicks or followers on Facebook. He passed from this world like, you know, none of his direct khulafa are alive. And very few of the khulafa of his khulafa are alive. Not so many of them. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, so he, he passed like in like in the early part of the 1900s and so he uh, you know he passed before india and pakistan were uh, relieved of the yoke of uh, farangi occupation and why why did he say this though because i mean these were people of basira of vision they saw over the horizon that something is happening because the volume of uh, of our sisters is you know people have been getting away with it so long the spring is tightening up and pow when it hits it's going to completely destroy uh, it's going to completely destroy the fabric of family and the fabric of family, which is the basic unit of civilization in the prophetic model. And uh, that's what happens. That's the jaza. That's the jaza of vulm. That's the, the, the recompense of, 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 of transgression is that it, it will it will pop back and it will hit you and it will pay you in full. And what mazid, it will you know hit you even more than, than, than what was put into it. And that's the that's the tax that people uh, are forced to pay when they ignore uh, vulm from going on for so long. And so, uh, Hazrat Tanvi was not was not a you know third wave feminist. Uh, if you want to accuse me of that, you can. I guess comically, there are a few people who uh, accuse me of pandering to feminists. Um, it's it's ridiculous. It's laughable. You know, go ask any feminist. Is this Hamza like your spokesperson? And they'll be like, uh, you know. Uh, that's you know we don't say things because of because of these modernist movements or against these modernist movements. This is one of the reasons, by the way, I'm completely freaked out by all of these mashallah uh, young defenders of Islam and defenders of traditionalism, 
uh, who don't bother to learn Arabic and don't bother to learn Sarf and don't bother to learn Nahu and don't bother to read any books because in their zeal to refute whatever modernist ideologies, they actually ignored learning what the deen is. And if the deen says something that's in line with modernism or in line with feminism or whatever, no skin off our back. The deen is the deen. It's the haqq. You know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So uh, uh, at any rate, uh, uh, the reason for mentioning uh, mentioning Hazrat Tanri is what is that? You know, we're not we're not against. We're not like they're we're not proponents of the um, suppression or oppression of women or like you know back, go to the back of the bus or whatever. Rather, the dean gives a different theoretical framework for uh, for 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 how the honor uh, and the 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 uh, proper respect of a woman is and how the proper honor and respect of a man is and so to put a woman in the position of a man uh, it cheapens her uh, and it you know for a woman you know her access is restricted she doesn't give access to herself to her picture to her voice she doesn't give access to herself to everybody the great women rulers of uh, of the muslim tradition understood this and so we mentioned from before the 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 great princesses that ruled bhopal uh in in central india those were some of the most wealthy and powerful people in the world uh, when they ruled they would rule from behind the lattice they would not allow anyone to see them they would see all of the the litigants and disputants and petitioners to the court but no one would see them no one would hear them uh, and uh, this is frustrating beyond beyond imagine to the colonizer. And one of the first one of the first agendas of the colonizer in order to destroy the the the, the civilization of the Muslims, the basic unit of which is the family, was what was to uh, was to uh, take this power away from the the sisters and take this dignity away from the sisters. And so he mentions this right now. So I wrote this article back in the day about why this is not some sort of triumph. This is like a complete like a, a applying a uh, a standard which is um, a standard which is foreign and alien to our tradition uh, and actually antithetical to our tradition uh, to our tradition and then trying to take pride in it. I'm not against women reciting Quran, but I don't think it's a matter of pride that like a woman should be out there in public and like expose herself to everybody. Um, that's against against uh, what the uh, what the dean teaches about the dignity of a woman uh, and the dignity of our sisters, and uh, for a number of reasons. And so I wrote this I wrote this article uh, and I said this I mentioned this by the way that it is uh, it's haram for a man to listen to uh, the voice of a woman if he's going to take pleasure from it, and uh, in general that's what happens. And one of the objections I, I received to this article, which was, by the way, uh, brought up by people very politely, and not, uh, you know, some people kind of came with the hater, uh, with the haterade, and uh, we expect that, and uh, curiously are not as phased about it. But one of the very polite, uh, one of the very polite objections that was made was that, well, what if a man recites Quran with a melodious voice and a woman enjoys it? You know, why is it that the men are not told don't recite? because it may be a fitna for the women and the answer to that was what is that it is it is a necessity for the men to congregate it is a necessity for the men to uh, uh, keep the um, keep the ijtima'i and the the collective communal life of the 
community going like that. Whereas women are not obliged to do those things. Women are not obliged to go and pray in the congregation. Women are not obliged to, uh, you know, fight in wars. Women are not obliged to enforce stuff outside of the house. A woman is not obliged to pay for or support anybody, not her children, not her parents. Doesn't matter how poor they are and how rich she is, not her brothers and sisters. The entire, the entire, uh, you know, the entire Sharia's uh, approach to that uh, is different, and it doesn't mean that necessarily women can't do those things. In some cases, it does. In some cases, it, it definitely discourages it. But uh, there's some door open. In some cases, there are ways that those things can happen. But those are not the the hard and fast rules for the women that they have to do those those things. Those responsibilities fall on the shoulder of the men. And so if the men have to be there uh, for, for those, uh, you know, for those communal matters. Uh, that's why the men will will recite and that's why the men will speak in public. Um, and that's why they receive priority because it's a fitna that they have to do those things in the first place. Now, what is it? We have like a completely ass backward system where uh, people are fighting each other in order to speak in public. And that herburiasa, love of leadership, that in and of itself is, is a sin. The Prophet warned us it will push a person toward halak, toward destruction. And, but, you know, people are, people are very uh, apt and very uh, ready to get out there and give the khutbah and to speak in public and to be seen and to be whatever. And this whole uh, desire for self-evaluation through the adulation of others this whole idea that there is somebody else who can go forward, step forward and speak. So why should I speak? Why should I put myself in spiritual danger as well as in physical danger? You know, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who said, He said that, that see help in fulfilling your, uh, your needs by, by keeping, keeping a low profile, by not showing your cards to everybody all the time. This is why the companions were the Allahu Anhum when there were like several of them sitting around. If someone asked for a fatwa, they said, go ask that person. Whereas, you know, a person who is simple-minded would say, well, I want to get the reward of answering the question. Okay, that's simple-mindedness. Even that, there's very few people. Because if someone genuinely wants the reward, you can tell them, look, there's somebody more qualified than you to answer the question. By sending the questioner to that person, you'll get even more reward. If the person genuinely wants the reward, they'll you know that will suffice for them but if a person wants to be out there and wants to be seen uh then they won't do that and i don't you know i don't know like i have enough i'm not you know immune to any of these things people are you know probably saying oh why are you why do you have a youtube video channel and you're saying these things and you retweet your own self and you whatever you know you advertise your, your programs and blah 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 look well, if there was somebody to like read this kitab jami and tell me who's reading it right now, if there's somebody who's reading it, then I'll stop my dars. And one of the ways around this, because somebody has to get up and say something, somebody has to get up and do something. And uh, uh, the system that we have in our deen is what is that people used to take discipleships, they used to become students of mashaykh uh, in ilm, in knowledge, and then they would take discipleships in the spiritual path as well. They would take bay'ah with a sheikh. Uh, and uh, uh, now people are too cool to have a, a ustad in knowledge that actually like they engage with for a significant amount of time. They'll take like an online course once a week for you know with somebody for like two years and say, oh, I studied with Sheikh so and so for two years. That's not how that's not how you build a relationship with the, with the teacher. 
You know, don't don't take this YouTube class and be like, oh, I read this and that from Sheikh Hamza. If I haven't seen your face before, I'm not going to vouch for you. And people ask me for ijazah. I go, what do you want ijazah for? I go, come, you want to study? Come and study. I go, why would you, why why the heck would you want to come and study with me? My some men, Most of my teachers are still alive. You can still go study with them. You can become equal to me or higher because you're probably going to put in more time and effort in learning. You'll come to me and point out my mistakes. How many times has that happened? Mufti Abrakoya, he's sitting in... Uh, in, uh, uh, in, 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 in like Scarborough, Ontario or something like that. He came as a HIF student and he taught uh, him and Moana Mazhar Patel, who is uh, Imam in in Peoria. The two of them, they came to me and they uh, uh, read, uh, uh, sorry, they, they led the Salat al-Taraweeh when I was Imam in Chico, California. And so, uh, uh, I said, if you guys want to learn some books, I'll teach you. They're madrasa students at that time. So we read the Manduma Bekhuniya. In fact, I'll I'll go and show you. Very, very, very interesting, fun, fun stuff. You know? Just so you guys know that ilm is like a living process. It's not like it's not dead, it's not fronting bakwas. This is the copy I got of the Manduma Bekhuniya when I was reading in, in Al Ain from my Ustad. Uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give him long life and increase him in every khair it's the uh, hashia of Atiyatul uh, Ajhuri uh, on uh, Zurqani's Sharh of the Bayquniya and here here are my handwritten notes my handwritten notes that title on the top by the way was written by me by hand with a call calligraphy pen although the matan is printed but these are the handwritten notes and uh, um, obviously, you know, the Ahlul Athar, the, the, the Ahlul Athar have a different approach to hadith than the Malikis and the Hanafis do. So, you know, I took copious notes and I taught them. Well, guess what? This Abrar Koya went on to go and do, uh, mashallah, Mufti Abrar went on to uh, go do Takhassus uh, in Hadith with Sheikh Yunus uh, 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 Jonpuri in, in Saharanpur, who was sat in, in the Masnad by Shaykh Wahdis Mu'an Zakaria, I taught Bukhari over 40 times uh, uh, from beginning to end and was recognized as one of the top muhaddithin of the subcontinent and of the world, copious notes, exacting researcher, uh, and he beat his students into the floor in order to make them into um, very well-read people. Uh, even in Chicago, we have our Mu'ana Abdurrahman uh, Haji, who teaches at, at, at Dar al-Qasim. Uh, these guys... I'm not going to mess with them when it comes to when it comes to ilm in general, much less when it comes to the ilm of hadith. Um, and so, yeah, go, 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 learn, come back, uh, and uh, you know you don't have to learn from me. The point is, is what is that? I, you know, I put them forward now. Someone comes to me with a question about hadith, right? I'm not going to say, oh look, I taught him the Baykuniya, I know more than him. No, I'm going to say what these guys they ended up studying way more than I did afterward. Now they they're the experts of hadith. You know, if you have a question, go ask Mufti Abrar in, in Toronto. Go ask this uh, Mulana Abdurrahman Haji, right? The fact that they're younger than me or any of those things, they mean nothing because what? They actually went bothered and went to learn. But now what is it? It's the flip side. It's everybody. Uh, I have something to say. I'm going to benefit the Ummah. I'm going to benefit the Ummah. You benefit the Ummah. Go make dua. You're going to benefit the Ummah. Go go clean the bathrooms in the, in the masjid, in the madrasa. Well, how come you tell other people to do it? You don't do it yourself. Forget about me, the great ulama, the great ulama, we've seen them cleaning the bathroom in the madrasa. It's not just a figure of speech, it's a reality. 
And so what happens is you clean the bathrooms and you keep going to dars if the sheikhs tell you to go to dars. And then one day if they give you jazz and say, go and teach this now in such and such place. Then you're not doing it out of your own volition. You're doing it because they said so. Now what is it? Well, how come the brothers get to recite at the beginning of the thing? We can't. They forget about this. It has nothing to do with you being a sister. This has you something to do with you being a nafs. Okay. Even if a brother is like, how come that brother gets to recite? I want to recite. We'll say this is a crookedness inside of you. This is a crookedness inside of you. Allah gives you the reward based on your intention. If you're like, why not me? Why not me? I have to put myself forward. Allah have mercy on our entire qawm, you know. Uh, um, go go ahead, go. Uh, you know, one day someone will give you fatwa. You can even give the khutbah if you want to. The sisters, you can go ahead and give the khutbah if you want to. Uh, if you don't have uh, concern, and it's not just the sisters, the brothers, everybody, right? If you don't have concern for the basic uh, asas of the, uh, uh, of the deen, the foundational things in the deen, and you want to be the one who, uh, uh, you know, gives the khutbah. If you're a brother or you're a sister, a sister may have, you know, some slight impediment of the sharia. The brothers also have other impediments in the sharia as well. This particular one they may not have, but all of them, they'll dispense with them and push themselves forward uh, anyway. And uh, uh, that's like problematic. That's highly, and I'm not saying the sister or particular sister who recited at Isma, this is like her problem or whatever. But afterward, I go to many MSAs and sisters like, well, how come the brothers get to uh, speak? How come the brothers get to recite? How come they're the ones who get to do this? How come we want to do it as well? I go, well, this is a problem with them. I always give them a tongue lashing. That Why are you guys, uh, you know, obsessed? Nobody wants to go to Darsh. No one wants to learn anything. No one wants to make sacrifice. No one wants to make mujahada. Nobody wants to visit the ulama, much less take from them. Everybody wants to give the khutbah. Everybody wants to be... Uh, you know, out in front. And if you do it in your dunya, it's one thing, you know, it's still problematic. You do it in your deen. Allah help us all. So he says, he says, So the answer to the question is, well, what if a sister finds a man's voice attractive? It's also haram. Don't don't go to those meetings. If the voice of a man is a fitna for you, don't go. That's not halal for you. Don't go to those meetings. If you like him, get married. You know, and if it's a fitna for you afterward, don't subject yourself to the poison of that that gathering. Um, and men also don't do that. Don't be like, oh, look, you know, with all due respect to our sisters, you know. And in the past, many of uh, many of our brothers have been very tactless in dealing with this issue. But like, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, the sisters addressing like um, mixed gatherings in the. And when I say mixed, I don't mean like khalt. I shouldn't say mixed gathering, but gatherings in with both genders are permitted. If the gathering is mixed, is haram anyway, right? But if even if they're separated, gatherings in which both genders are there uh, in the masjid, you know, if you want to do it, do it in a hall or somewhere. People people don't have to come if they don't if they don't want to. It becomes a fitna for them. Um, but uh, in the masjid, it's not it's not appropriate. Why? Because house of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. If somebody is going to and if somebody is going to go there and uh, it's they're going to you know experience something that will poison them spiritually, that's not a good thing. And people say, well, well how come the women have to bear the burden of men's doing this and that? Uh, I, I don't I don't see it that way at all. I don't see it that way at all because the whole underlying assumption of that question is what is that somehow you know uh, the speaking in front of people is some sort of like sanctioned benefit that like everyone will get good from. Whereas most of the people who get up in front of the mic, they're going to say something that's going to be an embarrassment for the for them, the Yom Qiyamah, and it will drag them into Jahannam. And there's someone else who can say what they're saying. And if there isn't, then that's an exception. Let them go ahead and say that thing. 
but the rule is what is that the the rule from our aslaf is that that's not considered it wasn't considered a good thing that people used to fight over to to put themselves forward and be the face that's seen by everybody uh and so uh you know and uh, unfortunately there are those uh, there are those who will then call names very with great immaturity they will call names uh uh, uh you know to the people who uh um, wish to have separation in the masjid, they'll say, oh, such and such people are prepubescent and, uh, you know, they don't have control over themselves and stuff for a lot of people have control over themselves in the masjid, in the mall, but when they get to the masjid, they become horny and but then it gets stupid, like, types of things that people say. It's not about that. It's about not tainting the purity of, uh, of the masjid because a man is attracted to a woman and a woman is attracted to a man. That's the basic rule Allah Ta'ala has made. And some people have... Uh, higher sensitivity and some people have lower sensitivity but in general that's the rule and uh, uh, to ignore it uh, to ignore it people do it at their own peril and if you don't believe me go ask the catholic church and nor is it uh, permissible for a person to listen to anything from the uh, musical instruments from musical instruments and this is the fatwa position of the uh, 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 this is the uh, fatwa position of the uh, uh, the four madhabs to my knowledge is the uh, prohibition of listening the general prohibition of listening to musical instruments and there may be exceptions particular exceptions to the rule but that's in general what it is and uh, uh, that's something people who want to be academically honest have to be, uh, uh, you know, have to be uh, honest about that. And so he mentions Shaykh Minal Malahik al Mizmar, Tambur, Wal Oud. He mentions the the, uh, the different uh, musical instruments, and uh, he mentions some exceptions like the Daf uh, that's beaten in order to uh, tell people. Uh, or inform people that that a marriage happened or to you know make some sort of announcement that it's and he even then it's not music but it's dumb 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 someone got married dumb dumb someone got married you know the crier will use it as a way of getting people's attention uh, and uh, Malik was very clear about this uh, his fatwa was very clear about this and Malik also uh, you know Malik also did not uh, appreciate uh, singing uh, 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 singing songs uh, to the point where it uh, uh, moves uh, 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 moves the heart uh, to uh, uh, things that it shouldn't be moved to uh, and uh, um, he considered it to be an aib he considered it to be a defect in a slave girl when purchasing a slave, if the slave girl knows how to sing, he considered it to be a defect that uh, that should be that the purchaser should be informed of. Obviously, the buying and selling of slaves is something like culturally offensive to most people nowadays. So, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that he considered the the fact that the girl knew how to sing to be a defect. Why? Because the indicator of, of low moral quality, um, and uh, you know the the. The, the the text of, uh, of the Risala continues wala qira'atu al-Qur'an bil luhun al-murajji'ah ka tarji' al-ghina'i wal yajulla kitabullah al-aziz an yutla bi sakinatin wa waqarin 
and so um وما يوقن أن الله تبارك وتعالى يرضى به so he mentions this he says even even reciting the Quran and this is Malik's fatwa even reciting the Quran in in the uh, voice of a singer he says he says that also it's not permissible to uh, recite or listen to the 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 Quran in the voice of a singer but tarji'a and so what I what I uh, surmise uh, tarji'a means here is like the vibrato uh, 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 or uh, you know like crescendos uh, you know where you make it louder or softer or you um, uh, you know do what they call vibrato in in uh, uh, in, in music uh, whereas like a slight uh, a slight oscillation in the tone or perhaps even a greater oscillation in tones and uh, this is interesting because this you know if you want to read more about it read in the the first volume of the Tafsir Qurtubi, um, he he goes to bat for uh, this opinion as well, and this is opinion is not practiced by a majority of the people in the Sharq in the uh, in the Western Arab lands or in the rest of the Muslim world. You know, if you go to Mauritania, you know the Adhan is given very plainly, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu ilaha illallah, like that. It's given relatively plainly, and even when you uh, go and pray in the masajid, the prayer of the the, the imam, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar Rahman Ar Rahim, Maliki Yomiddin, Iyaka Nabudu wa Iyaka Nasta'in, Ihdina Sirat Al Mustaqim, Sirat Al Ladina An Anta Alehim. غير المغبوب عليهم ولا الضالين. And that's that. You know, they they recite relatively plainly, uh, and uh, that's how they've been reciting, and that's how the adhan has been called in the maghrib for centuries. And in fact, they say that the that the maghriba, when going to visit the sharq uh, uh, in greater numbers in recent times. People would come back and start to give the adhan um, in the way that the the you know the hit single uh, R&B solo artist uh, style of the the, the Mashriqi people of the people in the eastern lands uh, of the Arabs and um, the fuqaha you know got together and they're like no and there's actually a ban that's why if you go to fast the, the to this day the adhan is relatively straightforward. Uh, but these are things that culturally they may slip in from one place or the other, and I don't know what it's like over there now. But I, that's what I remember when I went in, like whatever early, the early two thousands, um, two thousand three. Uh, but uh, you know, the, this is this is based on the fiqh of Malik uh, that uh, he considered that not to be that not to be okay, and uh, even. Yeah, even Qurtubi uh, mentions this. Uh, he has a dedicates a reasonable amount of his the muqaddimah of his tafsir to uh, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi That person is not one of us who doesn't make taghani with the with the Quran. And so the word taghani, you know, the Imam Shafi'i and many of the other scholars they said they said that this means to. Um, recited in a, in a nice, in nice singing voice, because uh, ghina, uh, uh, you know, ghina uh, is like a song. Ghina can mean to sing. And Qurtubi, uh, who is himself a muhaddith and a, a lughawi, 
uh, an expert in the Arabic language and, uh, you know, just a, a person, a jamia, a person who brings together uh, just different types of virtue and, and, and mastery and learning. Uh, just a, an encyclopedic person. Really, the Tafsir Qurtubi is such a beautiful book and it's all business. Like, you know, every, every word of it is something that's useful. Um, I really feel like if somebody were not to study anything else, but they were just to memorize Qurtubi from back to forth, they would have enough fiqh, enough aqidah, enough of, uh, knowledge of the Arabic language, enough of like a lot of things just to be like a, a very great scholar. So imagine the person who wrote it. Um, but uh, Qurtubi writes this. I mean, he says that he says that here, taghani doesn't mean to recite in a singing voice. Uh, rather, it means uh, uh, it means uh, istighna, to be free of need uh, of anything else. The meaning of the hadith is that the person who doesn't uh, isn't sufficed from the Quran uh, to the point where he's free of need of other than it. That person isn't one of us, and that's a very different meaning than uh, uh, a very different meaning, obviously, than than others take. And uh, you know, then he 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 will make rad. He'll he'll refute the idea that a person sh should or can. Uh, sit and you know recite Quran in the this like you know very uh, very artistic uh, modes that the Masharika will do reciting in maqams or in other uh, scales and things like that and it's it's definitely it's a again look it's a difference of opinion between the ulama but if you want to know what Malik's opinion is this is what Malik's opinion is and then afterward you know if you choose one opinion or the other you can do so but one must respect the fact that Imam Malik was from the Salaf and he was very particular in uh, in doing things the way that the ulama the salaf did them, and uh, he he uh, he he really despised this. And it's the fact that he despised it to that point is a sign that that's not how they used to recite in the in the masjid of the Prophet The ulama and the mashayikh of the salaf that's not how they used to recite. Uh, and that should be that should be something that's respected. And I think uh, you know uh, even for a person who takes the other opinion that that's not so strict that you have to recite in a relatively monotonous or, or, or at least simple tone. Um, one should take a ibrah uh, from this, uh, take, take, a, take a, um, a warning, take heed from this, that overly operatic uh, performances of the Quran distract a person from what the meaning is. And there are some reciters that recite uh, really in such an operatic way um, and they stretch the mudud so much that you barely remember what the first word of the ayah is by the time you get to the middle of it or by the time you get to the end of it. And, uh, uh, you know, this is this is a point that actually uh, Ibn Abi Zaid made, makes here. Um, he says uh, he says that that it's that you that it's not permissible to listen to the Quran being sang and the, uh, the, the, the with the with the with the oscillations um, and the 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 scales of singers uh like the oscillation of singers uh, in their in their song and uh rather let a person uh let a person magnify the book of allah ta'ala let them respect the book of allah and yutla illa bisakina wa waqar that a person shouldn't make a performance out of it rather it should be uh, it should be recited in a very uh, with with uh, sakina with like the the serenity of the holy presence of the Lord and waqar with gravity. It shouldn't be you know America's Got Talent uh, type recitation. Uh, and uh, in such a way, in such a simple way, that's not 
that there's no ostentation or showing off or uh, a pride or, you know, I'm inserting my own artisticness into this or whatever. So it can be like, I'm doing it my way. Do that with your art, you know, go, go make a painting or something. If that's what you want to do, go and write a novel. Uh, uh, and so if a, and if a person wishes to get closer to Allah through it, let them do it by uh, being present and understanding uh, when they do that. Be present and understanding when they do that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give us tawfiq. Inshallah, I think uh, if I start discussing the next mas'ala, um, let's go ahead and, and do it just in, in, you know, in order to be able to finish before the beginning of Ramadan. ومن الفرائض الأمر بالمعروف والنهي عن المنكر على كل من بسطت يده في الأرض. And from the the commandments of Deen, the obligations of Deen is to command that which is right and to forbid uh, that which is evil. Uh, and it is upon everybody whose hand stretches in the earth. And this expression of the uh, the hand stretches in the uh, in the earth. Uh, that anyone who has the the the, the right uh, sovereign authority of uh, of of enforcing orders, um, that person it's a it's an obligation on them. And sovereignty is obviously a a complete package. But a person, the point to which they have authority is the point to which they're obliged to command to that which is right and forbid that which is evil. Uh, and so there are many things in which like a father in his, uh, in his household or a teacher inside of his classroom uh, or a, 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 um, a person who is put in a, a position of authority or respect uh, that they're, they're, they, have to, they have to command to that which is right and forbid that which is evil. And it's not just the rulers, you know, there are two sides of this coin. One side is what is, is the more important side is that of the ulama. That the ulama have to keep saying the haq, they have to keep saying the truth and keep teaching it, keep preserving it, keep moving it and dispersing it to their students and to the public. And, uh, and, and, and to the umarah and to the rulers. And then the rulers are the ones that have to enforce it. The rulers don't get to say what is right and what is wrong. That's the ulama are the ones who decide that, and if they if they fudge that up or they screw that up, that's their fault, and they're going to take a beating for it in the in the hereafter. Will Allah protect uh, protect uh, protect every everyone from that? And then on the flip side, the uh, uh, you know the uh, the the umara, the, the the people who have sovereign authority, the rulers. They're obliged to take that knowledge and then enforce it in the way that uh, in the way that they see uh, as best according to the different opinions of the different ulama that they take, and uh, uh, they won't be held responsible if the if the ulama feed them bum information. Just like the ulama won't be responsible if they say the haq to the rulers and then the rulers don't enforce it um, and, until or unless the ulama actually are in a position to take power, which has happened from time to time in. Um, in Muslim history, and it's not always been good, actually, by the way, interestingly enough. Um, there have been people who have great knowledge who have taken power, and sometimes they make really bad rulers, sometimes because of their incompetence and sometimes just because they're evil people. Uh, but the point is, that even though one, one uh, you know, apple may go bad, 
in general, the, 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 the corpus of ulama are preserved, uh, inshallah, from that. Um, but, uh, you know, people who idealize history too much, you know, um, there are two types of people, those who idealize uh, history and then there's those who actually read it. Um, and so you can, you can listen to the, you can listen to my snarky comments and then if you uh, would like to uh, increase your uh, level of snarkitude, you can call up, uh, uh, call up our various colleagues. Haifaraz um, Khatib, inshallah, would be very happy to like shoot down your fantasies of uh, uh, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, unicorn magical caliphate. Uh, the caliphate was wonderful as long as the Khulafa Rashidun ruled um, in the sense that they're, they're morally vindicated, although some very messed up stuff happened, but it wasn't the Rashidun who did it, it was other people who did it that made that era messed up in, in, in different ways in, you know, at different times. Uh, but then afterward, it, Allah help us all, uh, it, it's, a very, it's a very human project. This whole Islam, this whole Ummah is a very human project. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, open the doors uh, of understanding of, of piety and righteousness and shut the doors of ignorance and of, of evil and, um, uh, and, and protect us from our own nufus. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala empower those people whose hearts are aligned to the higher realm. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chain up uh, those shayateen who are, uh, can't help themselves but, uh, but be evil. Uh, and we'll move on from there. Uh, whoever this is an obligation on whoever's uh, sovereign authority is uh, is there in the land and whoever's hand uh, whoever their hand can reach to meaning whoever their sovereign authority uh, can can reach to that if they see something wrong they're obliged to they're obliged to rectify it that that person is you know the person every person is uh, obliged to this commanding that which is right and forbidding that which is evil and if a person's you know a person doesn't have sovereign authority and doesn't have reach in enforcing their commands which most of us are in this situation then a person that still doesn't mean that that person is absolved from from speaking uh, and encouraging through their words good things that are happening and and chastising people for bad things that are happening with their words and if a person is in a situation that they can't do that anymore, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala protect us and thwart the evil plans and evil designs and evil uh, intentions that our enemies have against us. Uh, Allah Ta'ala protect us and, and let us live and die uh, speaking the haq and, 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 and free from the yoke of oppression of our, of, of our enemies and from those who hate our deen and who hate the haq and hate the truth. Um, then that person is at least obliged to hate it in their heart. They're never allowed to love it. And that's something really scary when you see a Muslim who looks at kufr or looks at batil and they, they like it. You know, you can be, a, you know, if someone is listening and they're an alcoholic, you know, they know how it is to be addicted to drinking, but to hate the alcohol. And maybe that person hates the, the alcohol more than, than a person who's never, uh, you know, taking a sip of alcohol in their life because they know the reality of it, and how sad and how much of a tragedy is it when a person, when a person, because the heart is the kingdom that nobody can, nobody can violate. It's the sanctum of a, of, of, of meaning that no army, no weapons, no guns, no money, nothing can screw that up. It's only the only thing that can change what's inside of it is you. And so, how much of a tragedy is it if a person should accept the battle uh, in that heart? 
because there's nobody you can pass the buck to afterward. If you're not able to say, speak out against it, if you're not able to ch change it with your hands, you're not able to speak out against it, then at least you have to, uh, you have to detest that evil in your heart, or at least you have to love that good inside of your heart. You know, Corona is not gonna allow the masajid to pray Jumat for some time now, it seems. And it may not allow masajid to gather together people for Talawih. But you at least love those things inside of your heart. You at least love those things inside of your heart, right? There's no coronavirus. No one's going to get infected by you loving the idea of the congregation of Tarawih or Jummah happening in the heart, right? Um, but that's a sir, it's a secret between you and the Lord, and it will be exposed on the day that the, the, the hearts are, 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 uh, are going to be uh, exposed. Um, you know, that's a secret between you and the Lord, and it will be exposed one day. وَفَرْضٌ عَلَى كُلِّ مُؤْمِنٍ أَنْ يَزِيدَ بِكُلِّ قَوْلٍ وَعَمَلٍ مِنَ الْبِرِّ I'm sorry, يُرِيدَ بِكُلِّ قَوْلٍ وَعَمَلٍ مِنَ الْبِرِّ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ الْكَرِيمِ So this is, I think, a good place to stop, inshallah. We will continue with this topic tomorrow night. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rectify our shortcomings. Allah ta'ala forgive us if I said anything in that uh, shouldn't be said. Um, but uh, inshallah, Allah ta'ala open the doors of understanding for all of us, inshallah. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lift this calamity from our heads and give us uh, our jumah and give us our entering and exiting the masajid in peace and the, the, the umrah and the hajj and the haramin sharifain. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lift the calamity, corona and other otherwise from the heads of the believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our hearts so that this Mubarak knowledge can enter in, into our hearts and make us amongst those people who uh, are benefited by it in their deen and uh, in their akhirah uh, and in their dunya and in, their, uh, in all of their states and protect us from ever being those people that it becomes a means for our destruction and a means for our humiliation in this world and the hereafter. وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم ربنا اغفر لنا وارحمنا وتقبل منا ووفق لنا ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى به واختم لنا بالحسن وارفع بأيدينا راية الإسلام بركة الفاتحة السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته